Hi, my name is Brian. I'm one of the pastors at HCBC, and welcome to HCBC Online. Uh, today, we are picking up with our Meals with Jesus series. Again, uh, we're looking at events that happened at the meal table with Jesus, as written about and told about in the Gospel of Luke. And today's passage, we're going to see at the beginning of this new year, a message that couldn't come at a better time. End of 2023. How many of us are feeling just a little bit tired, a little distracted, like watching this right now? You're trying to watch this while you're making a cup of coffee and take care of all the needs of the kids. You're doing some multitasking on your phone. I get it. I get it. There's so much to do. There's so much on our mind all the time. And at the end of this year, a lot of us are running on empty. You're just kind of tired. You're just kind of out of spiritual and physical and even emotional fuel. You're busy. You're stressed. You're still stressed out from the year leading through Christmas. Overwhelmed and behind. So much to do and nobody else is going to do it but you, right? Well then, if you're feeling that way, this message is for you. Today we're looking at the need for low and slow food. Because like a good barbecue, the best takes time. So we're going to go to dinner with two people today. Mary and Martha, as found in Luke chapter 10. And as we get into this, let me just start by, uh, I don't know, a little self-confession time a little bit. I take too much on. I always have. I've always taken too much on. I don't like being busy. I'm definitely not an active rester, uh, but I'm responsible. And I see gaps, and, and I'm aware that gaps around me, so I, I try to fill them in. I, I, there's always things to get done. There's always something else that needs to be completed. And if no one else will do it, well, I'll step in and just has to get done, and I'll, I'll do it. Uh, it's been my response to most things, whether it be uh, stuff around the house or, or ministry things within church context. Instead of actually doing what this passage that we're about to read now tells us we're all supposed to be doing or maybe not doing. Because there's a price to not doing what this passage is about to tell us. Uh, the World Health Organization estimates that 400,000 people died from stroke and 350,000 people died from heart disease as a result of working 55 hours or more per week. And in the last 20 years, the number of deaths from heart disease have gone up like 42% and strokes like about 20%. But there's even more common symptoms to overworking and being too busy. Uh, fatigue, lack of motivation, not doing your job at high quality, a lack of sleep, uh, which affects your health and your focus and premature aging, uh, feeling distracted, hard to focus, forgetting, um, forgetting, forgetting names, forgetting names and dates, uh, a weakened immune system and always having headaches and stomach aches and high blood pressure, a mood fluctuations, bad mood specifically, uh, pressure, anxious, overreacting to things, weight fluctuations. I always just go up. I never go down. I always go up because uh, I eat to stay awake. I eat to stay awake so I can do work late at night that I couldn't get done during work hours and therefore a poor work-life balance. Family suffers. Friendships suffer. Sometimes there's no friends and all you got is work. What I'm saying is being busy is costly. Uh, busyness has tangible consequences. Now, according to the story we're about to read, by nature, I'm a Martha. I'm not a Mary. Because Martha in this story that we're about to read can be described as overly busy, rushed, 
behind, stressed, and therefore fatigued, and overloaded. How many of these words describe you as we head into a new year? So let's dive into Luke 10, starting at verse 38, and let's see what we learn from Jesus at this meal interaction. We read in verse 38 that Jesus and the disciples were on their way to Jerusalem, and he came to a village where a woman named Martha welcomed him into her home. And Martha had a sister named Mary. Now, this is not Mary, the mother of Jesus, and it's not Mary Magdalene. There were a lot of Marys back then. We, there's like seven different Marys you read about in the New Testament. Apparently, there was like a real lack of name creativity back then, so Mary it was. Uh, well, this is another Mary, Mary, the sister of Martha. And we read that she was sitting at the Lord's feet, listening to what he had said. Now, the Gospel of Luke is really interesting and, and good on it because it intentionally makes an effort to show that women were a part of the early disciples of Jesus Christ. Uh, Luke was concerned with actual data. And, and women were part of Jesus' group of disciples. And Luke put it in the gospel because that's just the way it was. Mary is a disciple in the fullest sense here, sitting at the feet of Jesus. It's not a subservient position. It's a head of the class position, wanting to sit in the front row position. And as a woman, Jesus completely counterculturally approached women in his days, and he lifted them up. He he uh, lifted up the very people that society put down. But let's get on with the story. Now we're at verse 40. And we read that, but Martha was distracted by all the dinner preparations that had to be made. She came to the Lord and, and said, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to do all the work by myself? Tell her to help me. And Jesus answers, Martha, Martha, you are worried and upset about many things, but few things are needed, or indeed only one. Mary has chosen what is better. It will not be taken away from her. This story bugs me. I'm a Martha. It bugs me so much. I think the problem with this world is that, and the problem with even the church community, is that the world needs more Marthas, more doers, more make it happen people. I actually think this is the only time Jesus was wrong in all his teaching. Was this story right now? But let's continue on because here's the deal with busy people. Busy people would think what I just said. He's not saying Martha's evil. He, he's not saying that Martha was doing anything wrong. Martha was being hospitable and, and probably taking not only care of the meal, and it was a big deal back in those days. Guests come to your house. It was a full, full spread, like Christmas Day every day. And, and she was taking care of a lot of other things, church matters, business matters. She was a businesswoman. Relational matters and interactivity between the different people all at the same time. So what went wrong? Well, like a lot of us Jesus followers, Martha was eager to make a difference. And, and, and she opened up her home to him as a way to serve Jesus. And if you're eager to serve Jesus, and if you're eager to make a difference, what you do is you start volunteering. You start getting into service. You start running church programs. You start hosting dinners at your house. And you get distracted by the details of pulling off all that program, right? Notice how it said that Martha was distracted by all the preparations. What does it take for that to happen? Imagine Jesus Christ, God in flesh, the Messiah, in your living room, 
eating the chips and kiwi dip that you had just put out on the coffee table for everybody. And, and then there's something so important, so important that you can't put it off until he's gone or can't put it off until he's done speaking. And, and so you've got to interrupt with something. Now, maybe it's not always that obvious, but let's just say Jesus kind of somehow, I don't know, sided up to you. And he said, look, I just want to talk to you for the next hour or two. We've got some things to, to, to work out. And, and you go, well, you know, if you're Martha, you're like, look, I don't do two-hour meetings. I do stand-up meetings, two-hour meetings, waste of time. I'll do stand-up meetings. In fact, you know what? I got so much to do. Just text me what you need, and I'll text back to you so I can text while I'm doing working because I'm serving you, Jesus. So just text me as I work and serve you, and then I'll get back to you. Now, it's never that obvious, right? It's never that clear-cut or that ridiculous, but it happens. I became a pastor to connect people to God. And God's people to people who don't know God so that they can be witnesses that others can know Jesus. By the way, we love each other and love Jesus too. But soon, very soon, that purpose gets lost. That focus, that goal gets lost. And your job becomes about budget details and staff development and sermon prep. And never reading the Bible to hear God's voice for you and spiritual reasons. Only reading the Bible for, well, professional reasons. For like prepping for something like we're doing right now. See, a lot of times we start with great intentions as a spouse, as a parent, as a a worker, and you're going to change the world in the name of Jesus for God's mission, for God's kingdom. But the little details start weighing you down, start holding you back, and start getting a little bit self-absorbed with what you're doing. And you start thinking things like, if it wasn't for me, nothing would get done around this place. Uh, if I'm always the one picking up around here. I'm always the one doing the dishes that everyone's left behind. I'm always the one organizing everything. Um, no one else around here does anything. Ever thought that? Ever thought that while you're doing the thing you do and thinking that about everybody else? See, when you get that self-absorbed, you say things. You say things that you later regret. All of us Marthas do. And so does Martha in this story. She actually asked Jesus, Jesus the Messiah, don't you care? Now, think about that statement for a little bit. When she interrupts, Jesus doing the teaching, doing what Jesus does, and and interrupts, and, and it wasn't just to Mary. She didn't just interrupt Mary. There was a full room of people there. There was always a full room every time Jesus taught. The whole classroom was present. And Martha comes in and interrupts Jesus while he's teaching, probably saying things that are going to end up in the Bible. And she is worked up. And she says, look, excuse me, excuse me. Look, I know, you know, Jesus, you're sharing the word of God and all that. And can I just interrupt Mr. Messiah here for a moment? And because no one's in the kitchen, you're all sitting here having a good time. I hear the laughter and no one's in the kitchen helping me make onion dip and asparagus rolls. Look again what she says. Look, she says, don't you care? Don't you care that my sister has left me to do all the work by myself? Tell her to help me. Do you hear those pronouns? Me, my, me again, myself. It's all about me. I have such a heavy load to bear. And because of the self-absorption, and, and, and because what happens is when you get full of yourself, you reach the next stage, and now she's just flat out resentful. My sister has left me to do all the work by myself. 
and you don't even care, and you call yourself the Messiah. We get that place so easy, right? So resentful. Resentful as a spouse, resentful as a parent, resentful as a, as a teacher or an employee or an employer or a volunteer. And then you're always thinking to yourself, I'm just all doing it by myself. I'm doing it all. And she's confident. She's confident that Jesus is going to say, you know what, Martha, you're right. You've been so faithful. We need to organize this crew better. We got to get these lazy sods off their backside because not all the loads should fall on you. She knew that's what Jesus was going to say. And he totally surprises her by not taking her side. Now, almost any management guru would have taken her side and said, let's organize this work in your delegation and let's get everybody going. But Jesus doesn't do that. He spots something in her. He speaks to her heart. He surprises her. And he diagnoses her as she's the unhealthy one. He says, you're worried. You're worried and upset about many things. He says, Martha, this is not sustainable if you want to follow me. What started as dedication has ended up in irritation for you. Happens in church life all the time. So what do we do? What's the cure? One word. It's about priority. Priority. That's what this story is all about. Priority. The word priority gets thrown around a lot. In this disconnected, disjointed, frantic world, oh, it's not my priority. This is my priority. My, I hear, this is my priority. I'm not going to do that. This is my priority. And we got to get our priorities straight, we hear a lot. What does that mean? Priority comes from the word prior, which means before. Before. So a priority is something that comes before everything else. It precedes everything else. <coughs> Excuse me. It doesn't mean that you have to um, have all these other things in your life. But the priority, the priority, it's the foundation. It's foundation for all these other things to happen. So what in your life comes before everything else? I mean, really, let's answer that question. What in your life comes before everything else? Now, for Christians, there should only be one answer. One answer, really. If you're a Jesus follower and a churchgoer, there should only be one answer, right? And that answer is guilt. No, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Ignore that. I'm kidding. What's the number one priority? What's the number one priority for your life as a believer? Not two or three priorities. And don't make a group, like a category, is it, is it family? Is it job? Is it providing for your family? Now, I'm not talking about priorities, remember. One. Priority. One. Now, the good news is that there's only one. The bad news is only one. What is the priority? Singular. What's that one thing? What Jesus said when he was asked, what's the greatest commandment? Remember he says, he goes, love the Lord your God with all your heart and all your soul and all your mind. This is the first and greatest, the number one commandment. What's your priority? Because everything else follows. So what is it? If the priority is Jesus and loving the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and mind, how do we do that? How do we do that in a distracted, very complex, busy world? 
How do I create a rhythm that allows that to happen? It's New Year's resolution season, right? This is what it is. You got one day, one day to get it done. Maybe this is the one resolution you need to make for 2024 and beyond. See, the three adjectives used to describe Mary in this story, distracted, worry, and upset. The three words used to describe Mary was choose, sit, and listen. Mary chose what was better. And Mary sat at the feet and listened to him. I think those are our action steps. Those are our three quick action steps on how to apply this event at the meal table into our lives from this day forward. The first one is you choose. You choose what your priority is. You distinguish the central from the peripheral. Uh, We each have to make a choice. Ever find yourself uh, facing 10 different tasks and they all have to be done? I can't just choose one. They all got to be done. If you're in that kind of a situation, you haven't chosen yet. Jesus says Mary has chosen what is better and it will not be taken away from her. It started with um, Mary's conscious choice. She didn't accidentally trip and end up sitting at the feet of Jesus like, okay, I'll sit in the front row. She didn't come late to church and the only thing open was the front row. Nah, she saw Mary, she saw Martha in the kitchen making all the asparagus rolls. And she thought, no, Jesus is right here in my house. I'm going to sit at his feet and I'm going to listen. And Jesus endorsed that. She chose not to buy into Martha's priorities and, and, and the priority of a world that says do more and have more and be more and know more. It means not buying into the cultural's priorities and our culture's priorities like busyness because busy, busyness is a virtue in our culture, but busy isn't better. Jesus says choose better. Choosing better is better. See, being busy isn't even really a choice. We don't choose to be busy. We just get swept up. We end up doing that. Um, Colossians 3.2 says this. It says in the message translation, Don't shuffle along, eyes to the ground, absorbed with all the things in front of you. Look up and be alert to what is going on around Christ. That's where the action is. See things from His perspective. See, what this is all about is about intentional living. It's so easy for me to just kind of drift from thing to thing and to-do list to to-do list and never kind of sort of kind of wake up and sort myself out, reorient myself and ask, what's the most important thing for me today? Um, Rachel and I, when we got married, we took our whole family to Disneyland. Uh, it was the summer in California. And, and it was going to be crazy. It was a crazy, busy time. We took everyone to Disneyland. Spent hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of dollars to stand in line all day. So we got there. We found this app where you could kind of organize your day. And it gave you the best way to do all the things you want to do uh, so that you're not standing in line all day long. So we got everybody together. And all seven of us chose what's the one thing you want to do today at Disneyland. We all picked one. We put it in the app. It told us the order to do. So by the end of the day, regardless of what happened, we all got to do that one thing, and it was a great day. But everybody had to choose. Jesus is saying, you got to choose. You got to choose to prioritize your time with me, he says. Distinguish the central from the peripheral. See, Martha probably... 
um, didn't have to create this huge meal extravagance. She probably didn't have to fold all the napkins into, I don't know, Christmas trees or olive trees or whatever they did back then. She probably could have just put out some olives and some bread, take a five minutes, sit down with everybody else, and they would have had a good old time. But in the first century, food culture was an elaborate culture. There was huge pressure in the first, cult- the first century to put on a royal spread whenever you had a person of honor coming to your house. And what Jesus is saying is, you know what? I'm fine. I'm fine. Just throw some sausages on the grill. I'm fine because I'm here to be with you. I'm not here for the production. See, hospitality isn't about putting out the most expensive cuts of meats. Hospitality is about being present with each other and with Jesus. It's not my kitchen rules. See, saying yes to Jesus means choosing to say no to other things. You can't just keep adding stuff on top of the other, do this and this and this, and think you're going to go to bed at night, restful, let alone go to bed at all, because you have to work until late hours in the morning to get all that stuff done. That's what barnacles do. Barnacles just add one thing onto the other. That's not what followers of Jesus do. Be smarter than a barnacle. That's the better title, really. That should be what I call this message. Be smarter than a barnacle. Why do you got to choose? Because then like Mary, you can sit, sit at the feet of Jesus. See, people long for this. Articles out right now, end of the year, about how people are probably more spiritual beings than they are work beings or even Uh, human relational beings or even emotional beings. They're spiritual beings. How people are wired to have a transcendent relationship with them and something bigger than them. That's what's going on around social media and stuff right now. End of the year. Always does. End of the year. Heading into the new year. See, we need to set a time, time to spiritually prepare ourselves for day after day after day with our Lord God who is bigger than us. Not just physical preparation. We, we need to put the same time that we put into our meal prep or our exercise or our work. We need to be putting time into our relationship with Jesus. See, God made us to need those times alone with him. And that was Martha's problem. She needed it, but she was too busy. Remember, she was distracted by all the preparations. Uh, usually physical preparations, material preparations are what distract us most today. 2 Corinthians uh, 11, 3 says, uh, Paul writes, he says, I'm afraid, however, that just as Eve was deceived by the serpent's cunning, your minds may be led astray from the simple and pure devotion to Christ. That's all we got to do, to be devoted, simple and pure to Jesus. That's the one thing. It's the one thing. But Satan, the serpent, he doesn't want that, right? He does, but he doesn't attack us with like demons crawling out of our TV. He doesn't even make you doubt. He doesn't even make you sin, actually. He just distracts us. And he can distract us with good stuff. Taking care of our kids, taking care of our family, building up our business, exercising to stay healthy. All good things, but they can be distractions. Ever been distracted from simple things, simple pure devotion to Jesus and moved into worry because of the news headlines? Or worries about recession and interest rates? Or worries about your health? Worries about worries about your kids? Worries about your boyfriend or your girlfriend? Or worrying that you may never have a boyfriend or girlfriend? 
If so, well, then the serpent, Satan, the enemy, his plan's working. Because that's all he's got to do. So all you have to do is set your simple and pure focus back on Jesus. So ask yourself, do you have margin to do this? Have you scheduled it in? Block off time in your calendar. Make an appointment in your phone or whatever to spend time with God. Because believe it or not, I used to go to the gym. And when I went to the gym, scheduled in, but that was actually also my time with God. It's very hard to write a sermon while you're bench pressing. So I would kind of pray during that time and zone out while I'm working out for the craziness of the day. I'd be listening maybe to a speaker or a Christian blog or listening to a Bible audio in my phone. And and I just would be spending that time with him. But I just haven't had that kind of margin for a long time now. And it can show. I'm not going to jump, but also it can show in my worry and distractions from church work when I need to be spending time with just Jesus. Imagine what life could look like if you had margin, if you had breathing room in your schedule, how different the world would look, your family would look, how more grateful you would be for the people that are around you and the stuff that you surround yourself with, how different your week would feel if you had margin. See, the best things only happen when you choose to say no to some of the good things. You can easily say yes to the most important thing. Sit there and have downtime. And if you do that, what happens is you get to the final point and you make time and margin and space to listen. And that means practice Jesus' focus over self-focus. Remember all those personal pronouns in, in Mary's story? Um, and Martha, sorry, Martha's story, how you don't care that my sister left me to do all the work by myself. Tell her to help me. See, when you focus on yourself, it gets so worked up, so overworked up. Look at this verse, Matthew 6, on the bottom of your screen. Matthew 6, verse 34. Jesus said, <coughs> excuse me, Jesus said, give your entire attention to what God is doing right now. And don't get worked up about what may or may not happen Tomorrow, God will help you deal with whatever hard things come up when the time comes up. So how do you do that? How do you listen to God? Great place to start is you write down some stuff. Go find the positive promises in Scripture. Use it as some Bible study time. Look for promises from God. Things like, I will never leave you nor forsake you. Promises like, all things work for good for those that are called according to His purpose. Take those things and literally write them down. Don't go Google it and screenshot it and put it in your phone. Write it down. Little cards. Stick it in your car. Stick it in your purse. Stick it in your computer bag, something. And during the day, bring it out and read one or two of them. Do it a couple times a day. Take breaks during the day as a daily practice to stop and be reminded of God's presence and promise in your life. Learn to hear his accent as you read those scriptures so that he can guide you during the really busy times. Or change your radio station for a while. Put out some Christian music that sings about uh, the love of God or sings about uh, passages that are straight out of the Bible. And let that kind of filter the noise of your life and practically in real time live out that verse. Let the message of Christ dwell among you. Richly as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom. Through psalms and hymns and songs from the Spirit. 
singing with God with gratitude in your hearts. Choose, sit, listen. I promise you, if you do this, you will see that in 2024, you will still get frustrated. I promise. You'll still get overwhelmed at times. It's the world we live in. That doesn't go away. We're only human. But when you do those three things, choose, sit, and listen, you're developing a foundation. A foundation for those real busy times when things are out of control and you've developed some margin in your life that in the midst of the chaos, you're able to stop. And you're able to breathe. And you're able to let Jesus speak to you. Because Christian transformation isn't about modifying our behavior through your spiritual disciplines. It's about putting yourself in the place where Jesus can change you. Make some margin during your day, a couple times a day, to sit at the feet of Jesus, to stay still enough to see him and to hear him, to not just talk about him with others or just listen to some other person ramble on and talk about Jesus for you, but to sit with him and to listen to him. Because the Bible says when we do that, we become like him. And it's done by Jesus' power and by the grace of Jesus. And not by trying harder and not by doing more, even if you're doing it for Jesus. Choose, sit, listen.